0: 6 o'clock in London, it's 1 p.m. in New York, bon appetit if you're having lunch, 1 a.m. in Hong Kong, 3 a.m. in Sydney, I hope you're having a good night's sleep, down under, 10 a.m. in San Francisco and 10.30 at night in Mumbai. Greetings, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. My name is Patrick L. Young, the IPO video live stream 012 starts here. Ant Financial may have seen its IPO postponed, but Alibaba pushed ahead with their spectacular Singles Day last week. If you think Black Friday is something Western folk, this shopping fest could blow your mind. On the first day alone, sales exceeded $56 billion, which would compare with, well, take for example where I am today, Valletta in Malta. The annual GDP of the Republic of Malta sits at barely $14 billion and change. Singles Day knocked in four and a half times out of the Republic of Malta's GDP in a day. However, where financial folks will be fascinated is the transaction volume over time. A new record was set this year, the opening of the festival being marked by a spectacular concert where the likes of Taylor Swift and K-Poppers at all worked their shoppers into a frenzy. This year, Katy Perry was a a virtual guest from the United States of America. By comparison, it has to be said, Looking back at my old floor trading days, I'm not sure those speeches ahead of product launches in the pits by pungent drums from the Bank of England ever made quite the same impact on floor traders at new product launches back in the life floor. Not sure whether it ever made the same impact at Philadelphia Exchange either, but we'll get to that in a moment with one of our guests this evening. However, there were two wondrous statistics from last week's action. And thanks to COVID, records are being annihilated across the e-commerce world this year, as many Asians are preparing to online shop over the physical sensation of going out with your plastic and exercising yourself around the mouths. So, even before the mightiest bargains of a single day were apparent, everyone was worked into a frenzy. The conference took place. People got their plastic ready. They were ready to move with their Alipay and their other transactional instruments. And what happened? Peak transactions this year for Singles Day were 583,000 trades, 583,000 trades per second. To keep you interested during the course of Singles Week and to gamify the hunt for bargains, here's another little statistic for you. Some 500 million people, yes, 500 million people, half a billion, more than the entire population of the United States of America. Way more people than voted in the presidential election under any sort of conspiracy theory. There were 500 million people playing a Taobao mini game with the aim of successfully achieving bonuses as long as you kept stroking the cat and feeding it in real time on your mobile phone. Caring for your cat with half a 1000000000 people, they were the people driving those nearly 600,000 transactions per second. Is it any wonder that the world looked on in awe at the weekend when after singles week had finished, we moved on to the RCEP, a new trades deal, ladies and gentlemen, shock horror probe. This is the world's largest single trading block deal ever. And it doesn't include the USA. It doesn't include the UK and it certainly doesn't include the European Union. Meanwhile, plaudits to Moldova, who've managed to run a coherent presidential election and count the votes and even got over the whole losers consent issue, which is not so functional in some democracies. we will try and leave nameless for the time being. Given Moldova is the sort of flat sort of state that looks to its neighbor Romania, As a beacon of sound governance it seems only fair to suggest that some people might be looking to perhaps improve the quality of their overall running of an electoral process in the course of the next four years. However that might seem unreasonable in a week when of course we've had the ultimate honeymoon breakdown TPI cap and NEX finally they've unhearted each other and presumably stopped following each other on social media as indeed TPI cap are suing NEX over something to do with the original birth of TP actually buying the ICAP assets themselves four years ago. Buyers regret on a T plus 48 month cycle may sound curious to some, but then again, this is the same TP ICAP which proposes all but doubling down on their existing business by wanting to buy liquid net with a rights issue on the basis of assets under management data, which is itself almost two years old at the point of purchase. That in many ways might provoke volatility Which brings us neatly, ladies and gentlemen, to the topic of our conversation today, VolQ, and you look at volatility, we have got two wondrous figures who have joined us today who are behind the new, the exciting, the frontier of volatility products, and that's what we're going to be delving into. We have got... In the center of your screen, Kevin Kennedy. He's the senior vice president, the head of U.S. Options, Global Trading and Market Services. Good evening, Kevin. We've also got Scott Nations. He's the president of Nations Indexes, Inc. Kevin, tell me, where in the world are you today?
1: Well, Patrick, first of all, thank you for having me. This is an honor to be on your show, and I'm very, very excited to talk about the markets today and our volatility product. Today, I, and like you alluded to, uh, I am also a former market maker. I think we have three traders here on the screen today. And I've been in this business, this is my 34th year in this business. In the last 11 years, I've been with NASDAQ. And in the last few years, I'm responsible for our options business, our equities business, and our co-location business. So I have a great team at NASDAQ that handles so much of what we do. And we're really proud of the way uh, that we handle our markets. And I'm looking forward to discussing the markets, volatility and, and learning from you and Scott as we continue to just talk about this. It's great being among traders.
0: Thank you so much, Kevin. I must say I'm flattered that you considered me to be equivalent <laughs> of your ilk after your long and rich experience as a market maker on the floor of Philadelphia Exchange and also running Goldman Sachs' operations in that fine city, the city of brotherly love turns us fraternally to Scott Nations, the president of Nations Indexes, the world's leading independent developer of volatility and option enhanced indexes and investment vehicles. Scott,
2: where in the world are you today? Well, Patrick, unfortunately, I'm not in Malta. Uh, I'm in Chicago where I imagine the weather is not quite as fine as it would be for you. But I've been in Chicago since 1986. Uh, My entire trading career has been uh, from Chicago. And you're you're right, we have three traders and I think that's really interesting. I think we're gonna be able to offer an interesting point of view. Uh, And it's no accident that uh, our business is in Chicago I started as a floor trader at the Chicago Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange focusing on option contracts uh, on fixed income and then later on indexes. And uh, eventually was fortunate to run a pretty large trading group in those option contracts. And all of our work at Nations Indexes grew out of that proprietary trading uh, business that we did. We realized that We needed tools that weren't offered, that is option pricing tools and some, uh, we call them thermometers, ways to know what the temperature of an option market is. And that's why we built the suite of indexes that we have built. Uh, Again, it started as a way for us to actually improve our proprietary trading. And then we realized that we had really created a better mousetrap and we started to share them with other traders. And, And we were fortunate to partner with NASDAQ in that business. And so we've uh, created VolQ, which is a volatility index on the NASDAQ 100 uh, equity index. We're very excited about it. Futures on Q just launched at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange last month. And so I'm excited that we're going to have the opportunity to talk about all of that.
0: Fantastic all together. Ladies and gentlemen, at this point, let me just say, this is an open discussion you should know the rules with the ipo vid live stream if you have got a question whatever stream you're watching us on send it over right now send it during the course of the conversation kevin and scott will be delighted to hear from you also please if you do us a favor subscribe to our channel on the likes of youtube and indeed if you could be so kind drop a little like send us a little love underneath this because it helps us Get up the search engines, be more popular, pay a few bills, you know, those sorts of things that are generally very useful and certainly save us from, well, perhaps occupying our Tuesday afternoons or Tuesday evenings with more trading. And that would mean no more live streams. How terrible would that be? Kevin, fascinating. Give me a little bit of the history here. I mean, obviously, Scott's got this fantastic background. How did you come to be talking to him about the whole concept of Volcube?
1: so so great question and we were fortunate enough after we acquired we at nasdaq acquired the international securities exchange the isc one of our competitors and options to work with scott as he had started some work there with isc and then because we acquired them uh, scott had been in the process of doing some things and it just our relationship just flowered from there because he's he has all the background all the history and nations indexes has done an incredible job building out product and and not just you know overnight but through a long history of scott's talent and expertise so the last few years we've been on a journey and we've been we've been ready for this day and this day meaning this last quarter of 2020 a crazy year that it's been but we've launched now uh recently last the last few weeks and we are really looking forward to a great 2021 in volatility products. It's going to start with the future, which just launched, and then it's going to play out into on the old Philadelphia Stock Exchange that is still there with a the trading floor, Patrick, still a trading floor today. Even though we started in 1790, we're still there with the color multicolored jackets and we're going to have vol queue options on that floor. So we're proud of the fact that it's the oldest stock exchange in the country. And we're proud of the fact that we've redone that floor. Back in 2017, we made it state of the art. We put in new technology. We have a pit just for proprietary products like VolQ options that will launch next year upon approval by our regulator, the SEC. And we are super excited to really bring a new and innovative product to the volatility space. It's been a very long time where we know there's flaws in some of the competing products that are out there. But we're bringing a much cleaner much much streamlined product that you can actually make a bet on volatility and feel in the next day that you're not going to get you know thrown a curveball by skew and say i don't understand i mean cues are down today why isn't volatility up in generally it correlates much better with one's traders expectations and scott's the expert there but the answer to your question is we were just really fortunate through our acquisition to make to foster this relationship with Scott, and it's been unbelievably productive.
0: Fascinating altogether, yes, from the ISE, the original sort of pioneer in electronic options in the USA from 2008 AD on, really fascinating. Tell me something, Scott, then. Explain to us VolQ and its core components.
2: Well, certainly the the basic concept is implied volatility. So an option market is expressing how much volatility is expected. And In this case, in Ball Q's case, it's over the next 30 days. So that's what we know about implied volatility. But, but Patrick, we're all traders. And if you're a trader and if you were a trader on the floor or if you're a trader on the screen, generally, when you sat back down at your desk or when I walked back into the trading pit, the three of us walked back into a physical pit. What was the first question you would ask? The first question you would ask is, what is the at the money implied volatility? And then you would fill in the rest of the picture yourself. What are the the deep out of the money options doing? What are kind of the media out of the money options doing? But the important thing was the at the money options. And why is that? Because as Kevin alluded to, it offers a really streamlined, straight ahead, look at implied volatility without some of those other issues, for example, we would never wanna have deeply, deeply out of the money puts included in our volatility index. Those aren't really used by investors or speculators. Those are really used by gamblers and we don't want those in our implied volatility index. So as I said, whenever you'd walk back into a pit or now when you sit back down at a trading desk, you wanna start with knowing what the at the money volatility is because it's the most important measure. Patrick, nobody walked back into a pit or now would sit back down at a trading desk and say, please give me a strike price weighted average of every out of the money option that's listed in the front two expirations. Nobody would do that, but that's what the competing implied volatility index measures. So VolQ and uh, our other uh, at the money implied volatility index, VolDEX, ticker symbol VOLI, which is based on SPY, measure at the money implied volatility. And we think it's important to have at the money implied volatility available for trading on NASDAQ 100, which is the most interesting, important index going right now, uh, because it's more likely, Patrick, that your portfolio is starting to look more like the NASDAQ 100 every day. And so that's why we know investors are really interested in having the opportunity to use VolQ options that trade on the CME.
0: And that's very interesting, as you say, because, in fact, even this week, what are we seeing? The S&P 500. It's starting to look more like the NASDAQ 100 index by taking Tesla into, into the S&P 500. OK, so essentially, we're really focusing here on at-the-money volatility, which, as you rightly say, Scott, is what everybody wants to know. in Even before we knew the word low latency back in floor trading days, we wanted to have it in a New York minute. Wasn't that the analog version of low latency, I suppose? Tell us about how you think, therefore, the VolQ is going to be better or is already working out better as a trading product.
2: Well, that's a great question. A couple of ways to look at it. First of all, because you know what VolQ measures, you know what is going to move it. And as Kevin pointed out, we've had a lot of conversations with people who might've used a competing product and get caught up in changes and issues like skew, that, that they really don't understand. They're not trying to speculate on it. It doesn't add value to their portfolio. And so we think people are gonna use VolQ futures to, to as a straight ahead way to, uh, to hedge a portfolio by focusing on at the money implied volatility. But we also understand that there's an opportunity for people to speculate or to hedge a position by using implied volatility on the NASDAQ 100 versus implied volatility on the S&P 500. That's a really interesting payoff profile. It's never been inva- available before. But also by trading say VolQ against VIX, there's the opportunity to isolate SKU, something that has never been available before. And while sometimes SKU is noise, there are people who are going to want to get that really unique payoff profile that they, can- that they have access to only by trading vol Q against fix
0: quite fascinating quite fascinating altogether ladies and gentlemen if you've got a question jump in send us a message if you'd like to say something or ask something of what going going on in this discussion we're right bang on the money in every possible sense of the word when we're looking at this VOLQ volatility index so kevin to take it take it back a step you're looking at the whole business from the perspective you've licensed the futures to CME, you're going to bring the options to the floor of the Philadelphia exchange, which is really fascinating to see. What do you think are going to be the, the particular add-ons for you as a business by having the options in the NASDAQ portfolio?
1: So we think, and Scott and I have had a lot of conversations with clients and, and internally about this. We, we think just building out that ecosystem where we can create ETFs, we can create hedges between VIX and we, can, we We feel like we're really building out the NASDAQ 100 ecosystem in a way that you can see it, right? In this COVID world, you can see how important the NASDAQ listed stocks are to the economy. And everything has been sped up. I mean, everything's been accelerated. So the, the product production we thought we would get from Tesla years from now is being sped up. Netflix, Zoom, everything is just accelerator on and, and foot to the to the you know, pedal to the metal, if you will. And we believe the same thing's going to happen in the volatility products that we're building out. So we're really looking forward to just, you know, having having NASDAQ indexes. Levered off of, you know, leveraged the use of Scott Nation's indexes and just build out the Nasdaq 100. We're already seeing Nasdaq 100 options today in our proprietary product in Philadelphia trading more. We're gonna, we're really, really excited about just building out this proprietary product suite for Nasdaq and providing hedges. Quite honestly, just it's a pure, clean hedge for those trading. There's so much notional value in these NASDAQ 100 stocks, you need a hedge, you need to trade complex orders, but you do need a volatility hedge. And like Scott said, this isn't about we don't want necessarily just the gamblers or the risk and who are buying those way out of the money puts, we want something focused on providing liquidity and enhancing liquidity. And I think this comes at a time when the liquidity in the options markets has never been greater Patrick, never. been. I mean, it's a really incredible product. And building onto the foundation, the add-on of volatility products in the great NASDAQ 100 is, is just perfect timing for us.
0: This is something we were actually talking about just a few months ago, Kevin. I mean, the, the markets mm-hmm. of today are simply mind-blowing in, in liquidity terms. I think you'd probably agree with me, Scott, in relation to anything that we saw even the best of the ISE when it was standalone the only really electronic options market in the United States of America and we only had what four options market at that stage in the early 2000s these days the liquidity of options liquidity of index futures as well it has to be said is mind-numbing to put it mildly in terms of what's going on so I mean Scott you've been developing this index tell me about what it was like when you were putting it together were there particular pitfalls or issues that you had in trying to put together the most coherent product?
2: Uh, Patrick, as I mentioned earlier, this actually grew out of our experience trying to build really useful tools. Mm -hmm. And we had done that for our proprietary trading once we had all moved upstairs. And we were so we were able to create really the measure that we wanted to see as traders, the measures, and because we have several different measures uh, in our portfolio, uh, the measures that would give us the most information that would make us better traders, uh, products that we would like to have been able to trade at the time, that was really the goal. And often we've found that when you focus on building something really well, instead of focusing on something that you're trying to sell, you end up with the best of all possible worlds. So that's really how how we started Uh, creating all of these products. Or we have another product called Taildex, which measures the cost of those deeply out of the money put options. And why? Because we wanted to be able to track that. That was informative for us. But as far as at the money implied volatility is concerned, we just really wanted to be able to focus on on that measure. That's why we built the measure internally. And then we realized, wow, this can really be helpful. This could really be a great product for other people who want to look at options in the way we do. And Patrick, you are absolutely right about volumes and liquidity and usage of exchange traded options. It has exploded. And why is that? Because traders are starting to understand, and investors as well, are starting to understand that by using options, they can create risk return profiles that simply are not available in any other way. that using options allows them to create absolutely superior risk return profiles. And we think that by adding an implied volatility index on the NASDAQ 100, we're giving them another tool that will allow them to be even better investors.
0: Really interesting to hear. Okay, so I mean, what fascinates me here is we look at the history of volatility indexes, and actually one of the things Scott has been they seem to have been incredibly complex at the time when we had less computing power. And now you're producing something which actually is, I don't wish to say simple because it's still a complex product, but it's a much, much cleaner, simpler product than those that have
2: gone before it. Well, that, I think that's true. And uh, we were lucky that we're, we were really able to focus on. Uh, the product that we wanted to, again, we wanted to be able to look at. I think that's where it all comes down to. And we we took it back to very basic first principles. What did you wanna know? What's the first thing you wanted to know about an option market? And then we also realized that as Kevin has said earlier, by winnowing out some of those issues like distance between strike prices or skew or some of those other things, you really ended up with not only a clearer picture of what was going on, but probably a better product, one that made more sense to trade. It was more understandable. It wouldn't be blown around by some of those other issues.
0: Fascinating. Really, really interesting. Delighted to see we've got a couple of excellent questions coming in. So first of all, we've got someone who's come up as being anonymous, which is via LinkedIn, and they're asking something that perhaps, well, I'll ask it to you, Kevin, but perhaps you might want to come in, Kevin. I'm coming in a moment, Scott. What sort of users are we seeing on the VolQ product already? Kevin.
1: So it's early. I mean, it's very, very early, Patrick. But we are seeing right now we're building out the liquidity side. So, you know, the supply versus demand We're right now we're focused on the supply side. And there's been a lot going on as traders get ready. So our market makers every day are making progress. We're looking at it literally as a journey, a mar- marathon, if you will. And we started just before the election. And we're in close contact with the CME and, and our market makers on this. And every day there's progress. So every day we're tightening the spread. We're seeing tighter spreads, a little better size. And what we're focused on right now is making sure before we build out the demand completely that we have the supply side. So we're doing that. And what we're hearing now is, is that folks want to trade perhaps VolQ versus VIX. Or, or look at that, that skew extraction that, that Scott talked about and I think that really we're setting ourselves up for a January effect if you will of the demand side and I think well I think we'll start to see it in the institutional space first where in and internationally quite frankly not just in the in the states and we're getting inquiries about you know how much liquidity can there be can they can, they, can we replicate var um, swaps things like that people want to hedge and i'm looking forward to i'd say institutional will lead the way and then it will be followed by some retail interest because it will be a retail friendly product in that it's it you know it's simple it is like you alluded to it's the world's getting more complex but at the same time sometimes it's it's okay to just to keep it simple
0: absolutely keep it simple stupid it always worked for me in trading certainly over the years so i i completely agree there although that's not to say it's simplistic scott would you like to add something
2: well i would i think that uh while we had an election going on here, traders were not particularly interested in adding new risk. I think that that is really understandable. Since our election has more or less been, un, been decided, uh, I think that while uh, markets, are, the volume markets are tightening up and we've seen a little bit of volume, uh, to Kevin's point, I think most of that has been really uh, robust. In other words, we see people putting on positions. I think it is most likely people who are putting on vol positions against VIX because they want that sort of exposure that I mentioned, either exposure to the NASDAQ 100 versus the S&P, or they wanna get that sort of exposure, that kind of skew exposure, that's never been available before.
0: Fascinating sitting all together. I'm going to come to we've got a great question coming from Alex Maturi. Alex, please indulge me for just a second, if you'd be so kind. I just want to ask a very quick follow up. One thing that's interesting about this product is it's the first really big product launch we've seen during the Covid era. And I'm just curious, Kevin, traditionally when you go out and launch a product, yes, absolutely, there's a 12, 15, 18 month period during which you're building liquidity. You're at the very early stage at the moment. But actually getting institutions to give permissions for trading can take some time and i'm just curious has that have you noticed has that been delayed because of the fact that obviously a lot of people are not necessarily physically meeting for these sorts of risk and permissioning committees within those institutions
1: it's a a wonderful question and one that i would have expected to answer you know yeah that's that's been a problem patrick i think I think that it's not necessarily a huge obstacle. I think where we ran into some delay was just so much time is being spent on resiliency within these firms, not so much that they're working from home because I think the financial services industry and especially the exchange operator space as well as, as clients that trade equities and options and futures, I think largely they've been exceptionally resilient. I think one of the things that we, the bigger challenge, I think Scott alluded to it was the election and just, hey, okay, you're going to launch, we've heard you're going to launch, but but honestly, since the election, the uptake's been pretty good. I'm not hearing like, well, I need six months or 12 months or 18 months. They're they're excited. I mean, clients want, they want a different, better, innovative product, and we're going to deliver that for them. But the obstacle has not been that great because of COVID. I'd say it's it's actually uh, just not what we thought, but I think the election, if anything, uh, was, was probably one of the obstacles, and now that we're through that.
0: So at this point in time I feel just so tempted to say there was an election they kept that so far. <laughs> um, however I, I will be less facetious if I can be I'm going to move to a question from Alex Maturi a friend of this program a former guest uh, good evening to you Alex I do hope if nothing else Alex you've been able to make it to downtown New York to clear your desk at this point in time, because as we know, of course, Alex is the esteemed former CEO of the Dow Jones Indexes business, S&P Dow Jones. It's it's lovely to see you. He's asking a great question. I assume the futures are cleared through CNE where they're being executed. Do you see this as being a limiting factor in growth versus VIX futures? Let's start with Kevin.
1: No, I mean, look, CME is, is the premier clearing agent in the world for futures. And uh, we're, we're happy to be partnered with them. We think there's tremendous upside. I've competed with CME and they're, they're, they're formidable. So uh, we are really excited about that partnership. And I think we're in a good, really good spot there. And we're, we're going to couple that with you know, OCC clearing when we get to the vol Q options. And I think it's just a great a great partnership um, that we're going to have.
0: Okay, but but how does that work? I mean, just in terms of obviously, there's not a cross-margining benefit if I end up doing options that go through OCC and I do futures that end up in CME, correct?
1: That's the, that's my understanding. Scott may know more,
2: but
0: Scott,
1: but, but ask yeah, ahead, you. Scott.
2: Well, I I actually think that ultimately the opportunity to cross margin. Vol Q options, uh, as Kevin said expect to launch next year against NDX options is a, is much is a much bigger issue. Also the fact that we'll be able to cross margin Vol Q futures against NASdaQ futures and options on the NASdaQ futures, which trade on the same exchange. I think that's I think that's much more interesting to the degree that that Alex's question is an issue for us, I think it's actually more of an issue for anybody who trades VIX because to a certain degree that is in its own little world and won't be able to, say, be used against, um, say, S&P or, NASDAQ option, uh, S&P or NASDAQ futures, which trade elsewhere.
0: Right. Because they're existing in their own silo in terms of the SIBO's the clearing house, which is its own separate non-cross marginal utility. Very interesting altogether. I hope that has helped you, Alex, to some degree. And I do believe you're talking to us. Um, yes, Alex was saying to us that he meant in terms of cross-margining benefits or cross-margining issues. So hopefully we've addressed that for you in terms of there's this huge cornucopia and options land of everything that will come together. And at the same time, if I'm trading my NASDAQ futures, I can very quickly use my VolQ against it all in the same single platform. Very, very interesting to look at that whole concept. Ladies and gentlemen, we're halfway through the show, just a little bit over it. My name is Patrick L. Young. I've got two fabulous guests this evening, Kevin Kennedy and Scott Nations. They're talking about VolQ, the NASDAQ business, the index business in terms of how the volatility index world has moved on in terms of the new VolQ product. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to learn more about the world of Exchanges, the business, of course, Exchange Invest, ExchangeInvest.com. That's my daily newsletter and website. You can subscribe to that from $250 per user per year. Feel free to ping us a message anywhere on any of these social media platforms that you're watching this or go to ExchangeInvest.com and sign up. We'll offer you a 30-day free trial. Thank you very much for watching this IPO vid live stream. If you've got any questions to add to Alex Maturiza, please send them in you were listing there some of the issues about the relative simplicity of the you know the ball q product because we're just focused on that the money gonna make it remarkably easy for a lot of people how do you think that's going to work gentlemen actually i might take this to kevin first how are you going to hopefully get that out into the world because we all know that certainly vix has become something that the 24-hour streaming financial news channels seem to endlessly say VIX6666. I'm not sure any of them actually understand what a VIX does, how it works, or indeed if a VIX came out and its volatility skew trying to wrap around them, that they would have any ability to fight it off. What way are you going to go out and try and make sure that people are talking about VolQ in the future? Kevin?
1: Sure, I'll, I'll take the first shot at it. And honestly, it's, it's the guy on the screen to my right. And I think it's my right. Uh, Scott Nations has has it's just an invaluable asset for us that uh, he's you know lead commentator on CNBC when when options act whether it's options actions or just volatility conversations throughout the week at any given time you see Scott so I think that that will help with brand association we also have great friends at CNBC they've been they've been a. big supporter of Nasdaq as you know they they broadcast squawk box from our home office in Times Square the uh, centerpiece of capitalism and we we feel that we at with the Nasdaq brand and so much going on in the Nasdaq 100 and we look we're a very client centric organization i mean we we wake up in the morning and we are thinking about our clients so this this should be effortless for us that being said it it things take time it's you know you're you're making a great product over time. We don't expect instant results. This is an instant oatmeal, but we have Scott nations. We have the NASDAQ brand. We have a client centric organization. So I am really optimistic. Normally, Patrick, you know, you know, I'll caveat things and say I'll cautiously optimistic. I am extremely optimistic about the ability for NASDAQ to leverage the brand of nations indexes and our own brand and get this in front of clients. It's going to be successful.
0: Thank you very much, Kevin. Scott, no pressure there. <laughs> how do you manage to react and how are you
2: gonna push this index forward, VolQ? Uh, Patrick, Nasdaq has been a fantastic partner for us, the best possible partner. And and so I think that we'll be able to uh, help people understand, learn about VolQ and understand it uh, a couple of different ways. First of all, again, Nasdaq is a wonderful partner and is probably the leading brand in exchange Uh, exchanges around the world. So everybody knows about the NASDAQ exchange, they know about the NASDAQ 100 index, they're fascinated by the companies in it. And so that makes that part of it easy. In addition, people are interested in the option world, they're interested in implied volatility, they want to know about implied volatility on the NASDAQ 100. And so once we start talking about the, the straightforward way in which VolQ works, people become very interested. They realize that it can be a tool that can help their portfolio. Now, you mentioned VIX. We are not in, in, we are not trying to compete with VIX. We understand it's been around for a long time. What we're trying to do is offer an alternative or a complement to VIX, and again, allow people either to hedge a portfolio that's starting to look more and more like the Nasdaq 100, or use the two in concert again, to get the sort of relationship or or build a payoff profile that simply has not been available before.
0: Quite fascinating. It's the whole business of putting together this index. I'm intrigued because it really has had such an accelerated book build, if I can put it that way. I mean, it's come to market very quickly and you seem to already be gaining reasonable traction, which is something that's quite unique, let's face it, from these sorts of products. So when, Kevin, do we expect to see options coming to market?
1: I would say just conservatively mid-year. Now this, I do have to caveat, we, we have to work closely with our regulator and and make sure. sure that we don't front run anything like that. But we're it's a journey and we're looking forward. I would say mid-year is a reasonable expectation and um, it couldn't come at a better time because I think 2021 is going to be an exceptional year just with, with the coming out of COVID with the two vaccines recently. Uh, tremendously excited about, about everything going on in 2021, but specifically those vol Q options. They're going to be very welcome in Philadelphia um, going, going forward.
0: Well, it's going to be fascinating to see how the city of brotherly love manages to measure volatility for the world in options terms, of course just talking about that i mean give us a little bit of a a background to your overall portfolio kevin of what you're responsible for because it's a veritable cornucopia of products and also venues
1: right Uh, thank you for that opportunity so i i have the luxury of being able to manage not just the options business where i came from as an options trader for 20 some years that you referred to patrick but also i have oversight over our equities business our co-location business so that's there's so much going on in the world with with us thinking about how we're going to migrate to the cloud in the future and how, and, and that's also another journey, but one that we've started early. We already have our surrounding systems in the cloud. We're meeting with clients now to talk about what we believe the cloud will look like in the future in the in the coming years. And it's a very important initiative for us. But I also get to oversee equities business, which has been incredible. I mean, a hyper competitive space, but but when you get to do that, managing Nasdaq's business, combined with our great listings business, and then 2020 shedding the light on all these great Nasdaq listed companies, I I couldn't be in a better position. And and one that I'm just really appreciative of. But then on top of that, the options business, which I referred to a second ago, 50% year to date, year over year growth, retail coming in, and we're handing them a perfect product, not perfect, I shouldn't say perfect, a product that can always be be improved, but a product that is fine tuned after 20 or 30 or 40 years of just adding liquidity, putting in protections for clients, it has never been in a better state than it is right now. And we're seeing more and more retail interest and I believe we're really giving them a great experience. So I am in a very fortuitous position to be able to manage, you know, three or four great products, not to mention our Canadian equities business, which is doing exceptionally well. Um, as well, we have a great team there. So I'm I I'm in a great position at NASDAQ and I get to uh, put us in a position to succeed, continue to.
0: Quite fascinating altogether. As you say, the options business, perhaps what we should have is a term of implied perfection. Today, it's absolutely perfect, but by tomorrow, by the end of next week, by next year, we'll have tweaked it a little bit more to try and make it something, something even better still. Just give us the numbers though. How many equity exchanges do you run how many options exchanges do you run Just remind Kevin
1: sure so six options exchanges and a total of six equities exchanges if you include three in Canada and three in the US so uh, we see a lot a lot going on a lot of interest a lot of liquidity and a lot of client interaction which goes back to what I said this you know when you get to run twelve exchanges, you get you get to interact with clients on a daily basis. You get constructive criticism. I'll be kind. Constructive criticism that we hear. But that's what makes us better. I mean, that's part of the job coming from the floor uh, where you you get to you know scream and yell all day, but I, I like hearing from our clients. So when they have something that they need us to work on, uh, and I have exposure to 12 exchanges, I feel that we can continue to, to strive towards perfection for our products. But we do have a long way to go. And I, and I think uh, but the industry overall, our clients, everywhere in financial services, I think, has held up remarkably well in this COVID world, Patrick.
0: It's quite incredible. I mean, certainly the resilience that you've demonstrated through the course of the year at NASDAQ has been amazing. Those numbers, I'm trying to remember what that maximum message was in total numbers. I and mean, I talked about 580,000 executions <laughs> per second by credit card and Alibaba, but you had a number earlier this year, I've completely forgotten what it was. It was it was a gazillobillow trillion something messages per day, if sure. I remember.
1: Yeah, I'll give you a little data there, which is really interesting yeah. because the way it played out. So early March. Uh, and, and largely because we have over a thousand, a thousand, I'm sorry, a million. See, we're, we're talking bazillions and gazillions. We yep. have over a million listed strikes in our industry. So options produces the most amount of messages because our market makers are quoting constantly thousands of strikes in each symbol. And earlier in the year we were peaking in the mid 60 billion messages processed on any given day. So in March and April, when volatility was peaking and spiking, we would, we would process maybe 20, 30, 40 million options, and we would do 60 billion messages. Now, interestingly, what we've done throughout, from March until right up to the election, we embarked on a journey that we said, let's increase our capacity, not one times, not two times, but well in excess of that and we wanted to be able to handle spikes of hundreds of billions of messages and put ourselves in that position because we didn't know what the election would bring. So we are really well positioned from a resiliency standpoint at NASDAQ. We spent a lot of time and money, and we did that from March through right up through the election. And we've completed that project. But what we're seeing, interestingly enough is a lowering of message traffic. And while we're still getting all time highs in in options contracts traded we hit a new high last week we're seeing messages in that 30 billion level and i think a lot of that is clients getting smarter about the way they trade we are we as an industry are getting smarter about strike prices that we list combination of factors and we we are really um, positioned well for continued growth in options i continue to see some reversion to the mean for next year but well above where we saw last year, where we averaged, you know, between 17 and 19 million contracts a day if you count some of the proprietary products. But in multiply listed equity options, we traded 17 million eight hundred thousand options per day. This year we're going to do north of 28 million contracts per day. That's incredible. And it's it's really just a, a reflection of all the time and effort that not just we but the entire all of our competitors all of our clients have put in towards resiliency which i think is making that product better which is why i want volq to continue to add to that liquidity and i think that's what we're doing with scott nation's product there
0: it's absolutely those numbers are simply mind-boggling and i'm sure if we talk to ourselves of Twenty or thirty years ago, we simply wouldn't have even believed those sorts of numbers were feasible in the options environment. I mean, actually, the one that blows my mind is when you're sitting talking about a million option strikes. Because let's face it, when we started in the options business, there really were only four or five hundred different companies that qualified large enough capital to be to be sufficient to have options and you look at how many hundreds there are today and you also look at the achievements of the american marketplace i mean how for example ferrari which has got to be one of the most ultimate of european exports from italy And yet the options there during the course of the European day are a pulsity of what they are when they turn on and when race comes on as the symbol on your markets within NASDAQ and across the rest of the OCC business, it's just absolutely incredible. Scott, you might want to say something else in terms of what's uh, what's been said about the the product development.
2: Well, I would say a couple of things. One, it highlights what everything Kevin has said highlights why we're so excited to be working with NASDAQ. And, And second, It also shows the evolution and really the growth and the maturity of the listed option markets. Uh, This is no longer a situation where where people are using options to gamble, or as a flyer, or really to speculate. They're often using options as a way to simply express a mainstream investment thesis, and they can use volatility indexes and volatility products to do that as well. Volatility products like VolQ, can be a great way to hedge a portfolio. So while Kevin lays out the the facts and the figures, I really think it's a testament to to what the market has done to make options a mainstream part of reasonable portfolios.
0: That's very interesting. And I think also that's been driven by the whole electronic thing, because you think about what commissions cost 20, 30 years ago compared to today, where they're just wafer thin. Whatever you're paying for options, it's pretty much nickels and dimes. And you're right. I mean, in the 1980s, when I first went to Chicago, I remember they were kind of in place of when there wasn't any horse racing. That was what the taxi drivers were all having a quick punt on, was some sort of option on SIBO or the CME or the Board of Trade during the course of the day in order to keep them a little bit more lively. And these days, good grief, the wonderful thing is, commissions have collapsed so much. Even Uber drivers can probably afford to trade the odd option these days, despite the uh, paucity of income that some people say that they're managing to make in the gig economy. Gina Miller, thank you very much for the like on Facebook. <laughs> really appreciate it. Anybody out there, we'll always appreciate your likes as you go along. My name is Patrick L. Young. I'm the publisher of Exchange Invest, the Bourse Business Daily newsletter and news service. I'll be delighted to hear any questions you might have as we enter into the final 10 or 12 minutes of tonight's show. I've got two fantastic guests here. Scott Nations, who's the founder of Nations Indexes, who is the expert in the field of volatility indexing. If you need your tail indexed or you need your implied volatility right at the core of your portfolio, he's the man who's been developing those products, particularly VolQ, which is the topic du jour, particularly with Kevin Kennedy, who is one of the leading figures in the NASDAQ organization and really the man who helps ensure that the lights go on every day so that we can trade stocks, options and the myriad of different strike prices, that one million different choices that are available through the NASDAQ platforms in the United States of America. So coming back to this whole business and the way things have managed to expand, I mean, quite interesting, because you mentioned a lot of the fact about you're in the cloud, Kevin, and those sorts of things. Obviously, there could be some stuff happening behind the scenes here in terms of where we might see that cloud being, metaphorically, in the near future. Just wondered if you've got anything to comment about that. I know that it's been in the the media that NASDAQ have been off to Texas recently with that wonderfully named committee who is looking after our pension investments.
1: Yeah, so I'll touch on that at first, Um, the financial transactions tax. And I think the industry has come together quite quickly in such a hyper competitive space. We're not used to coming together on many things. But we know that we have to protect, um, you know, mom and pop, because those those costs, if we bear costs, it's already a very very tight margin business, and if we bear costs, they're going to get passed through to 401ks and pension funds. So we're very sensitive. We the the entire financial services industry that that trades. And, and that includes the buy side, sell side, and we're, we're very sensitive to the fact that if there's a cost, we need to mitigate those costs. So there's a lot of action going on and we're keeping our ears and eyes and options open and it goes back again to the client. We're listening to our clients. We know they take this seriously, so we're taking it seriously. And as far as the cloud, I I think we're already, like I said, Patrick, we're already doing a fair amount of our surrounding systems. We've been in the cloud for quite some time. And now we're embarking on another phase of our journey. We're reaching out to clients and learning what, you know, their, their sort of expectation would be and, and what we can do in the cloud and still maintain that same level of determinism. That's so important to our liquidity providers. They just want a streamlined, you know, straightforward experience. And we're going to deliver that, and we think the cloud can do that. It's just a question of timing and interaction and transparency and communication with our clients. So a lot, a lot has been written about the cloud and Nasdaq recently, and we're going to, It's a journey that's very important to us, and we're excited about that as well.
0: Fascinating. Thank you very much. You're echoing in many ways. Also, we had Ronan Ryan of oh. IEX. week discussing the same issues and obviously the concerns over financial transaction tax which worry us all even those of us who are far far from the maddie crowd of new jersey such as myself and Valletta, malta this evening scott looking at the world of markets from your interesting perch in in chicago what's the sort of i mean I don't know how much you're even getting out these days. I can't really tell in this COVID era, but what are you hearing either in chat messages or when you bump into people on the street? What's the buzz about VolQ? Well,
2: they, thank you very much. They're very excited about having an alternative in the volatility space. Um, people were desperate for a, for some sort of competition in the volatility space for all sorts of reasons. They and they like the fact that they're just a new aspect of volatility that again doesn't include hundreds of out of the money options. Uh, I think that f- uh, from a broader point of view, uh, people look at what's going on in the U.S. domestic stock stock market. They look at the the domestic indexes making all time highs, down a little bit today, but of making all time highs yesterday and then uh, on top of last week. And they look at it uh, in the COVID situation and we know we're not going to have a vaccine until later this year. And even then uh, the number of people who can be treated probably gonna be in the tens of millions, certainly not in the hundreds of millions, that's not gonna come until next year. So people are also anxious for other vehicles which will allow them to express a point of view maybe a bullish point of view or to hedge a, a, a portfolio that they have. And again, as more and more portfolios start to look more and more like the NASDAQ 100, then people are really excited about having an op, uh, an alternative in the volatility space.
0: Really fascinating altogether. It's certainly interesting the way you've been talking about the, the opportunities to manage to for example, remove SKU. So therefore you could play the, the issue of VolQ against VIX. What other sort of interesting nifty plays are you seeing people starting to look at from what VolQ has enabled?
2: Well, one thing that we have seen a little bit of in the VolQ futures is we have people seen people taking uh, longer dated positions. So one of the very first trades that we had after we launched was in the December expiration. So that, that won't go off the board for another 30 days. So I found that really interesting that people are taking longer dated positions in vol Q futures. Uh, they're essentially trying to get through essentially uh, 2020, hedging a position essentially through the end of 2020. And I think that that ability is as traders, we would call that a calendar spread. Uh, I think that ability to put on a calendar spread and get really unique Uh, exposure is going to be interesting. I think that that's going to be something that's very interesting for VolQ futures users. Uh, And we'll start to see, hopefully we'll start to see some volume in the January contract coming up. We have the November contract expiring tomorrow morning, and that should be interesting. We had a great expiration, very first expiration of the October contract that happened last month. So we're very excited about the ability for people to not only take their volcue futures to expiration, get a really good, fair, reasonable expiration value, but also for ability to for people to extend uh, and do some of these calendar spreads, which offer again unique profiles.
0: Very interesting. Just give us a little bit of minutiae there. So tell me, Scott, how does this actually settle in the process? Come tomorrow morning?
2: It's a great question because settlement Final settlement for volatility futures has been a question in the past. Uh, we actually took a hybrid uh, situation here, uh, a little bit like the V-Stocks, the way v stock settles, the European uh, volatility product and the way VIX settles. So uh, two minutes after the start of the day, we'll calculate vol-q using actual trades in NDX options. And for the next five minutes, so two minutes after the market opens until seven minutes after the market opens, we'll calculate vol Q using actual trades and we'll take values at each second. And we'll simply sum all of those, we'll come up with an average and that will be the settlement value. The Ticker symbol for the settlement value is vol S. The important thing here, Patrick, is because we actually use trades, we use trades in the NASDAQ 100 options, users, sophisticated users of VolQ should be able to realize that settlement value. They should be able to match it. Now, it won't be be easy for a small trader to do so, but bigger traders should be able to do so. And the important thing is it will be extremely difficult to manipulate. And that's the way it was designed. It was designed to reduce the, the potential for manipulation to an absolute minimum.
0: That's really heartening news. And it's good to hear because obviously the last thing we want to see is any degree of discrediting of the product. And at least as long as retail can understand the way that the settlement is being made and it's a fair settlement, that's what's really vitally important. And obviously we have moved along a long way in the course of the last, well, 20, 30, 40 years of the usage of equity options and related index products, which this bears testimony to. So, Just coming up to the final four minutes, I'm going to ask you one simple last question. I would like you to look at your crystal balls and tell us. Obviously, we've got some very exciting things coming on the horizon in the short term, Kevin. You told us regulators permitting, and obviously, we hope that the SEC will be benignly understanding of when this can get launched, but should be sometime in 2021, let's put it that way, that we would expect to see the options appearing on the Philadelphia floor. Where do you think we're going to take volatility products next, VolQ and other volatility products? I'm going to ask you, Kevin, first of all, and then I'm going to throw the question to Scott. Kevin.
1: Well, first of all, Patrick, thank you again for having me on. It was a pleasure and an honor, and I, I, I love the fact that I got to get to know your audience a bit, and I appreciate the questions that came in. Uh, secondly, I'm glad you went to Scott last because he is truly the expert, but I will give you what my crystal ball is saying, which is I just think we'll continue to add on. I think we can add on some interesting SKU type products. We can interesting if if need be. I mean, Scott Nation's indexes produces a lot of different indexes that are so exciting to us and we're partnered on many of them. So. We have an opportunity to really grow out the ecosystem, and for us, it is it is a marathon. It's, I've used the term journey, marathon, but this isn't something where that we're looking for immediate results. We're looking we're looking to just do our part, continue to grow lit- our liquidity, and then take advantage of it from a Nasdaq standpoint, and just and just try to create a better better product for our clients. And I do think it's going to be largely, you know off to a great start in 2021. I'm super excited about it, but it's, you know, every year should be significantly better than the year before, but we have work to do and and we're positioned to do that work. But I'll refer to Scott, to, to his crystal ball is a lot more clear than mine. And thank you again.
0: You're very welcome, Kevin. It's been a joy to have you on the show. Scott, <laughs> you've got the clearest crystal ball. You're the man at the money. You've got all of that expertise and implied volatility. Once again, no pressure from
2: Kevin. Tell us how does the future look? Well, first of all, it, I want to agree. Thank you for having me on. It's been fantastic, but it's also been a pleasure to to work with Kevin and everybody at Nasdaq. They've been great partners. So, what how what I see uh, for 2021 is we'll continue to build interest and volume in Vol Q. We'll get Vol Q options, which are going to trade on Nasdaq, and I think we'll also, as Kevin said, we're going to continue to round out the infrastructure, really the ecosystem, and so. Uh, I'm excited to see for the potential of exchange traded products based on VolQ futures. Um, As far as brand new products, uh, we do have one product called Taildex and I mentioned it earlier, ticker symbol is TDEX. It measures the market's uh, estimation of of the likelihood of a crash or a three standard deviation or tail event. Um, and, And that's why we call it Taildex. Uh, we've had mo- we've had a lot of interest in tail decks, and I think it would also be a fantastic vehicle to allow people to hedge, particularly hedge against a really dramatic uh, drop in prices. and And we know that that really can torpedo somebody's long term investment results. So we have lots of stuff in the pipeline. I'm particularly interested in Q, our relationship with Nasdaq, but also the potential for something like tail decks
0: fascinating altogether. Gentlemen, I only wish we had another hour to carry on. We've already filled our full hour, but I'm going to make a quick moment of concluding remarks. First of all, let me say Kevin Kennedy from NASDAQ, Scott Nations, founder of Nations Indexes. This has been an incredible, lively, and interesting discussion. You are both highly impressively exuding, implied knowledge of your product set. And it's been a fascinating 200 plus years of history. You think about it, 1790, the foundation of the Philadelphia Exchange floor, as you were mentioning, Kevin Kennedy, in the very flowering of the youth of the American Republic. It's quite incredible to think that, of course, options trading and futures trading dates back in Chicago, where Scott is today, to 1848, the year where we had the last widespread food blight on the continent of Europe. And only actually, what, 12, 13 years after the foundation of the city of Chicago. If we jump forward to 2000 AD and that now fascinating subsidiary of the nasdaq organization the international securities exchange who brought electronic trading to the u.s equity options market for the first time and really empowered for want of a better phrase a capital market revolution if anybody has ever used that phrase before now as we look at the world of Vol Q, the implied volatility at the money it's interesting to see where we're at in a world of a million strikes And that can in many ways be rationalized by the heart of the NASDAQ index itself. And the NASDAQ index, the NASDAQ 100, as I was saying just last week on the show, I think one of the things that probably they'll see when they're heading towards Mars in the first jet in 10 or 15 years time is probably they'll be trying to keep up with the NASDAQ index itself as it heads towards orbit, if its recent performance is anything to be judged by. Nonetheless, in a world of a million strikes of options, in the hyper-liquid world of the futures of the modern day indexes that we've been looking at, in a world where we've seen 60 billion messages during the course of this year, that amounts to essentially almost nine messages per human on the entire planet Earth. When you think about it that way, 28 million volume of options traded on the NASDAQ element of the single name options business alone during the course of this year. That tells us one story, ladies and gentlemen, and it's a strong story for 2020, the resilience of our business. And I must say, as the publisher of Exchange Invest, it has been a joy to be able to report how coherent the uptime has been amongst this industry. And I applaud NASDAQ for that. At the same time, I applaud Scott Nations, one of the great innovators of our business, one of many people who comes out of that wonderful city of Chicago and has helped to develop whole and interesting new frontiers of markets. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you once again to our guests, Scott Nations and Kevin Kennedy. This concludes series two of the IPO video livestream. But the good news is, for those of you in the United States of America, it's turkey time next week. I know, time for, for a perfect day and a perfect opportunity. No live stream, therefore, come next Tuesday, just in case you're trying to travel or organize your Zoom calls with the rest of the family in advance of Thursday. But the week after, it'll be December. And on December the 1st, we've got a fantastic guest coming for the first of Series 3, Dominic RISBY, expert in cryptocurrency, a fantastic actor, a comedian, I kid you not. And also, I have to say, the first person ever on this show who previously got paid to be a ring announcer in boxing. He's a fascinating guy. I'm really looking forward to that show. It'll be interesting to see if he can be as interesting as tonight's guest. Once again, thank you very much, Kevin Kennedy. Thank you very much, Scott Nations. My name is Patrick L. Young. In the meantime, see you at ExchangeInvest.com. Drop in while you're there. Thank you very much for those kind wishes, LinkedIn user. And don't forget, please drop us a like on the bottom and subscribe to us on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you've been watching this. My name is Gell-Young. This is the end of series two of IPO Video Livestream. Thank you very much for watching.